Welcome to Feed Matters, Feed Navigator's podcast series focused on exploring industry challenges and trends and highlighting emerging topics. I'm Erin Einstein-Curtis, and this week we spoke with Ben Lane, a research analyst covering the dairy industry with Rabobank's Rabo Agri-Finance Division. The group provides capital and financial options to U.S. agricultural producers and agribusinesses, along with the knowledge and information produced by members of the Rabo Research Food and Agribusiness team. Members of the U.S. dairy industry have been facing a number of challenges and changes in recent years. A period of low milk prices and producer uncertainty, along with recent feed production concerns, has witnessed more than 2,700 licensed dairy farms close since 2017, along with the recent bankruptcy filings of major milk producers Dean Foods and Borden Dairy Company. Ben, could you tell us a little bit more about what industry members have been experiencing? Yeah, I guess it's, you know, it's been a combination of things. I don't I wouldn't say that there's one real factor per se that really has has made the dairy industry be challenging lately. It's it's really been a matter of several years of pretty difficult situations, pretty challenging margins, so it's I I think it's a situation where if it was a matter of just one year in, in these kind of situations, these price ranges that we've been in since, say, 2015, it would have been manageable. But since we've been kind of stuck in this range of really pretty slim margins, it's it's put a lot of pressure on dairy producers. And I think we're finally starting to see some movement away from that, some movement in the right direction. But it's, yeah, it's really, it's been a long time coming. And it's been a situation where we have, traditionally seen these three-year cycles where if you have a period of low prices, you, you kind of every third year or so you get a peak in these prices that are enough to pull you out of that and get you get you settled again and, and get you on the right track. But we've still seen that pattern, but it hasn't been of the same magnitude. So we haven't had that real peak that kind of made people feel okay again. It was just a sustained period of, of pretty challenging times that's gotten us where we are. Most of it has been the lower milk prices, but there has definitely been big challenges. Particularly, labor has been a challenge. It's been hard to prices have been increasing for all of agriculture, but dairy is is particularly pretty labor intensive. Um, and and from what we've been hearing, talking to folks, it's been a challenge to both find. It, I mean, there's part of it is being able to afford the higher prices for labor. The other part is being able to find. Um, find people at all or especially find good people and well-qualified people that are willing to to do the work so that's been a real challenge the labor cost um you know feed costs haven't have been manageable i'd I'd say it's you know they've been variable but it hasn't that really hasn't been the main driver i wouldn't say of, of the challenges it's been mostly kind of these lower um lower milk prices combined with higher labor costs and and you know higher costs in some of the other peripheral things. Would you say has feed or feed pricing played a role in terms of the challenges that dairy producers have been facing? Well, I think there was definitely worry that that was going to be the case. I mean, earlier on, um, during planting season, it definitely seemed like there was a risk that, that prices were going to skyrocket and that would be a real challenge. But in fact, over the course of 2019, it really largely, you know, showed a little bit of improvement, um, definitely from kind of the worst case scenario that we were thinking of. I think the one area that we could see that 
kind of rear its head again would be in quality. And, and I think there's going to be some issues potentially looking at silage quality once that starts coming out. Um, we, you know, it's a challenging planting season for most of the most of the country, different different parts of the the Corn Belt in particular. But a lot of folks had trouble getting getting their feed planted, and then when it came time to harvest, there was lots of issues with snow and bad weather in different parts of the country. It was definitely variable. There were different challenges in different regions, but I'd say most regions had some challenge either getting getting it in the ground or harvesting. So I think that there's some concerns about quality of what's been put away in terms of silage, and we could see that reappear once that starts getting into feed, and that could that can have an impact on uh, the milk production per cow. So even if it's not directly that feed is more expensive, it could start impacting the efficiency and, and the production, and if rations start needing to be moved around based on what's available, then, then you start seeing more impacts in terms of milk per cow. Of the challenges industry members have been experiencing, are you starting to see any resolution to those concerns, or are they expected to continue at least into the near term? Yeah, the the challenges are still ongoing, but I think at least, you know, if we think of something like the labor challenges that I mentioned, I don't think that's going to go away in a major way anytime soon. There's a lot of factors driving that. But in terms of the cyclicality that we see in the dairy industry, 2020 would be one of the peaks in that cycle. So we think of a three-year cycle, and it's probably, you know, there's there's some truth to it, and sometimes it's probably blown a little out of proportion, but it is cyclical in nature, and we think of a three-year cycle, and 2014 was a peak of that cycle, 2017 was a peak, and uh, 2020, by that standard, would be a peak, and I think that there's a good chance that that, that will be the case. 2020, we're relatively optimistic in terms of um, the way the milk price outlook is, that it's going to be a pretty good year. Could you tell me a little bit about what influence you see alternative products like plant-based milks having on the dairy industry? My my sense is that it, the impact on the dairy industry from a lot of these alternative or plant-based milks is not as big as we sometimes make it out to be, but that's not to say that it can be ignored. I think it's important that we don't, don't take our eyes off of this, um, but it's not... I, I wouldn't say that's responsible for a lot of the challenges that we've faced. If we look at fluid milk consumption, that's been declining basically since World War II, and it's been pretty on a pretty steady trend since the 70s or so in this in this declining fluid milk consumption. I don't I, I don't think that that's because of people switching to plant-based milks. I think it's just a change in lifestyles and change in the occasions at which people would normally drink milk. The other important thing to remember is that, you know, that's just one piece of what the dairy industry is doing. So milk that leaves the farm does go into fluid milk, but it also goes into cheese and butter and yogurt and things like that. Uh, And per capita, in terms of our per capita consumption of dairy products in all form, once you put it back into terms of, of the milk equivalent, has really been on a pretty steady uptrend. It's plateaued a little bit the last couple of years, but it's broadly speaking, it's been moving positively. So we're consuming more milk, we're just doing it less in the form of fluid beverage milk. 
Um, so in, if we look at 2008 through 2018, we've seen a decline in fluid milk consumption of about four gallons per capita. Uh, and over that same period, our increase in plant-based consumption is only about a half gallon. So it's, you know, it's not, it, it's something we shouldn't lose sight of. It's something we, we need to be aware of. And especially just in terms of understanding what consumers are looking for in these alternatives and, and what can we offer and how can we compete. Uh, but I wouldn't say that that's largely to blame for um, any of the challenges that the dairy industry faces right now. With the closures that we've been seeing in recent years of dairy farms and production facilities, is there starting to be any change regarding where or how dairy production is occurring? Yeah, well, we've seen kind of a shift, a a change in the landscape of where dairy production is happening in the country. and, And broadly, we've been going through this trend of consolidation. There's fewer farms, bigger farms making more of the milk. That's that's been the trend in not just dairy or not even just agriculture. It's a pretty natural trend that um, that occurs in any industry, but it's something that, that's been particularly pronounced in dairy, and it, it does lead to a lot of farms on the smaller end of that spectrum that, that end up exiting the business. Um, so what we've seen is where historically you've got a benefit to being located close to consumers and having a relatively small, I guess, footprint dairy, you'd see a lot of relatively smaller dairies scattered around population areas, whether that's in the Northeast or the Upper Midwest or the West Coast. That tended to be where you'd have these pockets of small dairies supplying relatively small processing plants and largely processing fluid milk to get to those population centers. That's changed now where the advantage isn't necessarily to be close to the consumer, it's to capture these economies of scale. So that's driven farms to get larger and to move into areas that we wouldn't have traditionally thought of as dairy production centers, places like Texas and Idaho and kind of through the mountain region down through Kansas and Colorado. So it's it's led to a shift and it's led to challenges, sure. And I think that especially as we've seen larger longer periods of lower prices and tighter margins because of economies of scale. It's often the large farms that are able to withstand longer periods of that, and it's the small farms that have, in this case, have tended to feel some of the pressure um, from the last few years, especially. Um, they, They felt that much more pronounced than some of the larger farms. If the trend is moving toward larger producers and making use of the economy of scale, why do you think we're seeing occurrences like the bankruptcy filings for Dean Foods and Borden Dairy? Yeah, I'd say that you know Dean Foods and Borden, those are examples of they they were um, you know primarily or heavily um, in the fluid milk space, and that that had been a declining market for some time, and that's that's a challenging situation to be in, but particularly when you've got a lot of manufacturing plants that they were starting to age, and they they kind of got stuck with, with fluid plants, fluid processing plants in areas where we were seeing the industry move away. So it becomes a logistical challenge just to move milk into those plants still as they age. So I think that there's definitely still fluid milk consumption, and there's a lot of exciting things going on there with some new differentiated and premiumized milks that are being produced, but 
they're being produced in different places and it's a different supply chain. And so whether it's the older processing plants that are left in areas where there's less of the same supply of milk as there once had been, or if you're a, a producer who's left in an area where some of the processing plants may have closed, that, that also adds to those challenges. You end up facing higher costs just associated with some of those logistics. Do you see any implications for herd size stemming from sort of this industry move toward consolidation and the potential for a bit of improvement in dairy price? I think that there's so there's a few different two different ways really you can make more milk is you can add more cows or you can get more milk per cow and increasingly I think as we go forward the broader trend in increasing milk production is going to be largely by improving efficiency on the farm and improving that milk per cow. And there will still be fluctuation. There still is fluctuation in the number of cows, but really long term we're making more milk with, with relatively fewer cows and fewer farms, and those those are larger farms. Uh, so it, yeah, the the real driver is going to be milk per cow and managing that. That's going to largely be in terms of managing feed and also just better information on the, the farm about efficiency and reducing waste and, and making better use of your inputs. Um, but it, the other factor is that it's been such a challenging few years again that even though we're seeing higher milk prices, I don't think that will lead to an all-out expansion in the herd. Everybody's not looking to add cows right now, and part of that is because there's balance sheets to rebuild, there's deferred maintenance to get to, so there's things that people just were struggling to 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 handle the last few years. Now, now that we're getting some higher milk checks, rather than going and spending that on building the herd, it's going to be time to sort of get yourself back in order and rebuild that balance sheet and get back into more of a comfortable position. Looking forward, do you see the passage of the revised U.S.-Mexico-Canada trade deal or the signing of the Phase 1 deal with China bringing any changes or trade opportunities that maybe weren't available previously to dairy producers? Yeah, I, I think there's certainly still room long-term for optimism, even in the short and medium term. And, and the trade deals are big because we're the majority of our milk market is still the high-value domestic market, and the, the U.S. domestic consumer is still a really high-value, um, strong consumer. But it's not a growing market the same way as other markets in the rest of the world are. So I think as we look to, if we want to continue to grow our milk production and expand and make more pounds of raw milk, though that extra volume of milk is ultimately going find, to need to find markets elsewhere in the world. So the, the fact that trade deals have been moving in a positive direction is, is good. It's, that was certainly a challenge, especially early in 2019 and started improving towards the end of the year. But China and Mexico are very important trade partners for dairy, and to have disruptions where those markets are at risk is, is a big deal. So keeping that product flowing is important, and continuing to look at the rest of the world. There's going to be growing demand um, in other areas of the world where there's population growth, where there's income growth. Um, that's going to be important to be able to tap into, and I think that U.S. milk producers are well positioned to do that. There's 
other areas of the world, some of the major milk producing regions like the EU and New Zealand are, are both coming up against some um, environmental regulations that are really limiting their ability to expand. And there's relatively tight supplies of things like skim milk powder, which is a big global dairy commodity that's traded. That's in relatively tight supply right now. And I think this year, the U.S. is pretty well positioned to be um, one of the leading milk production growth areas, while a lot of the other milk, produ milk producing regions of the world are, are going to be relatively held back and we're going to see slower growth than we may have seen in recent years. In 2019, we saw a number of dairy producers exit the industry. Do you think that's a trend that's likely to continue or could potentially slow going forward? I think we will continue to see producers exit, and I think that there, we've heard a lot about it. There's been a lot of coverage, and, and rightly so. I mean, it's it's a challenging time for a lot of dairies, and it's, I think, the disturbing thing is to see people that want to continue doing this not being able to continue to dairy and feeling pressure and, and feeling forced out of the industry. That's That's a challenge to see. I think one reason why we might continue to see that happen is that now that milk prices are getting better and the market's looking better, there might be some people that have been able to hold on the last few years and now might see a better market to be able to exit the business on, on their own terms. Um, so that I think in some ways that's that's a better scenario, but it does still translate into probably, you know, just the same as we've always seen, there, there will be farms that will continue to exit and there is this trend towards um, fewer farms making more of the milk and I think that, that trend isn't going away anytime soon but hopefully it can be, it can happen more on, on, on favorable terms and on terms, the terms that people want for themselves rather than people feeling like they're being forced out of the industry. It'll probably be more an issue of retiring or next generations not coming back to the farm or things like that rather than being forced out because of a challenging couple of years.